Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. And part of a series of conversations we're conducting this year focused on the intersection of healthcare and legal leadership. We're interviewing general counsel and chief legal officers at top healthcare services and life sciences companies, exploring trends in the space and hearing their thoughts on the talent and leadership needed to be successful. I'm David Byrd, a partner in Hydrogen Struggles Washington, D.C. office and a member of the Legal Risk Compliance and Government Affairs Practice. In today's podcast, I'm joined by Jonathan Graham, the Executive Vice President, General Counsel, and Secretary at Amgen, a leading global biopharmaceutical company. John has had a distinguished career. He was trained as a litigator and served as a partner at the top law firm of Williams & Connolly. He's now been in-house for nearly two decades, first to GE, then as a two-time public company General Counsel of Danaher and now Amgen. John, thanks so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. I'd love to start off talking about the industry a bit and how you view it as a legal leader. As a general counsel of a pretty significant life sciences company, what keeps you up at night? What are the issues that are top of mind? And from a talent perspective, what are the skills you see are needed to address some of these challenges? Sure. Well, let me start with what the big challenges are in our industry as a whole. What do we focus on in our industry? It's on patients, right? It's on getting medicines to patients that need them saving their lives, making their lives better, uh, keeping them healthy. And that's something that uh, a lot of people are very interested in. And so there's an enormous amount of energy around that. Anything that threatens the viability of our industry is something that keeps me up at night and my colleagues at other companies as well. I think one of the things that people maybe don't realize is that if you are at a company like ours, you get a lot of letters from patients thanking you for saving the life of their husband, for making it possible for their daughter to go to school, for really just being very helpful and impactful in people's lives. And so we at Amgen, as colleagues that many of our industry peers are, are really at the forefront of the technologies that drive the ability to invent medicines. And we're inventing medicines that, yes, they're available, hopefully for those of us who are around now, but we think about it in a very long-term way. You know, we have molecules now in our laboratories that we're making decisions on. We're talking about what will happen in 2040, what will happen in 2045. And so that means we're talking about our children's lives, our grandchildren's lives. And so it's pretty important to us that the, the ecosystem that makes it possible for us to develop those medicines is a healthy one. And so one of the things that keeps me concerned is the political environment in the United States. We've seen some recent legislative action, uh, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, which frankly I call the Innovation Reduction Act because I think it threatens that ecosystem. It makes it less likely that capital will come into our industry, makes uh, all sorts of unfortunate decisions likely that will have an effect on the lives of patients both today and far into the future. So one of the things that I'm focused on is minimizing the long-term damage of that type of legislation and try to make sure that our company continues to be successful, both now and the future, notwithstanding that type of legislation. So I have to be focused in Washington on what's going on there. I have to be 
focused on what happens within our company and the decisions that we make in light of that sort of legislation. So that's one sort of thing that I pay a lot of attention to. Another thing is culture. Culture is a big word. It's used in a lot of different ways. But for me, it's uh, as a leader of a legal organization within a company, it's about making sure that we have the kind of place people want to come to work, that they are engaged, they're happy, et cetera. In this post-pandemic or peri-pandemic environment, that's really changed the way we all work. At our company, almost all of our lawyers are now virtual. Certainly for the time being, we intend for it to stay that way. So how do you keep building and sustaining what's been a really incredible culture that's made people stay at Amgen for a long time when we don't see each other every day? So what are the things that I am responsible for and that I have to impress upon the people that work with me that we are responsible for in terms of building and keeping that culture that has made people so happy to be working at, at Amgen for a long time in a virtual environment? Thank you. It's interesting. I think that perspective about sort of the political environment is not one that I think we often talk about. So I appreciate you raising it. One of the things that they didn't mention that I wanted to get your thoughts on is just the state of the markets. As you know, it's been pretty difficult, especially for more smaller biotechs and life sciences companies to raise money over the last number of months. Just curious how that impacts dividend backs a company like yours and the relationship between companies like yours and smaller players. Well, sure. You know, markets go up and markets go down. And when you've been in any industry for any length of time, you have to recognize that the path forward is not always a line going up to the right corner quadrant all the time, right? So there are cycles, and certainly we're in a cycle of market declines. And that cycle recently has hit biopharma and biotech pretty hard. And in terms of changing the relationships between larger biopharma companies like ours that are quite well capitalized and clearly have a long runway and smaller companies is that it takes a little while for the message the market is sending to sink in. But what it means is that there's going to be less capital for smaller companies, fewer people willing to take risk. By the way, the Inflation Reduction Act, I think, has had an impact there as well. There's just going to be less capital going into, I think, smaller biotechs. And so, for example, one of the ways and one thing that everyone recognizes is that smaller biotechs, they have fabulous innovation engines in many cases, but they're not able to bring those medicines to a larger population unless they team up in a collaboration or they agree to be acquired, et cetera, by a company like ours. That's how you get the medicines to people globally. You just can't do it as a small biotech in Kendall Square in, in Boston. But the question always is around what's the value of a collaboration? What is the value of an acquisition? And it takes a little time for people's expectations to reset in that regard. And I would expect that that's the, I think we're sort of in the middle of that reset right now. And we will see how it sort of plays out. But this is really questions about valuation and recognizing the reality of the marketplace that you're in at any one time. Just sort of bring both those together, right? So you mentioned some of the challenges, some of the political challenges, some of the economic challenges, some of the culture challenges. That said, it's still, I think, a remarkable time to be in life sciences, right? It's a time of great innovation. What do you think is sort of driving some of that innovation? What are some of the other sort of tailwinds that I think as we enter 2023 or continue through 2023, we're, we're seeing as an industry? Yeah, well, I think there's two massive tailwinds for our industry. And part of the reason it's just so exciting to be in biopharma, I mean, it's an incredible time for two reasons. One is technology and one is demographics. So look what's just happened there's been a lot of hoo-ha about chat GPT and the new Bing AI. 
Well, that's just the beginning. And we've had our own developments in biopharma in the last year or so, really, with these new AI technologies for protein folding, figuring out how molecules can interact with proteins in the body more effectively. I mean, this is an incredibly exciting time to be part of that technology. And it's an interplay between biopharma and Silicon Valley big tech AI techniques. It's just going to make it possible to invent new medicines faster, more efficiently, and more cheaply. So that's a tailwind for any industry. It just makes it anytime an industry becomes more productive, that's a tailwind. And then the other big tailwind is demography. The world is getting older. More people around the world are getting older, and older people need more medicine. That's just a basic fact of life. And people around the world are getting richer. The number of people that have entered the middle class, what would be defined as the middle class globally, has increased by hundreds of millions of people just in the last 10 to 15 years. People in those societies are going to demand access to the best medicines. They're going to want to have healthier, longer lives, just like people do in the most industrialized nations. And so that's a tailwind, and it makes it exciting. People want what we make, and we want to be able to make it faster because it's an urgent problem to solve is people's health. Thank you. Just building on that theme of innovation, I know Amgen was awarded the Pre-Galeon Award for the invention of Lumacross last year. I know your TikTok channel was launched. It was named one of the year's best innovations by PM360. When you take a look at end-to-end, how do you think about influencing and fostering that culture of innovation at the company? Well, let me just start with those awards, because what's great about those awards is that they reflect innovation in two very different areas of the endeavor at our company. The Pre-Galeon Prize celebrated our scientists' invention of a cutting-edge medicine called Lumacrest that solved a problem that had been extremely challenging, a problem known for over 40 years in the design of a molecule. And now that molecule is a medicine that's available for a certain group of people that have non-small cell lung cancer, a devastating disease. So we're incredibly proud of our R&D organization and the many years to put into solving that problem. And the PM360 prize is a prize for using a new social media technology, TikTok, And what our corporate affairs team recognized is that a younger generation of people is turning to different social media channels. And we wanted to be out there in terms of how we brand our company and make sure that people know about what we're doing. And maybe they'll want to come join us, the people that are most qualified to do so. So those are two different kinds of innovation. And so what is the role of a legal team at a company like ours in sponsoring innovation? I think it's really a mindset. It's a mindset around the urgency for our patients of getting things done. And getting a new medicine to market requires not just the R&D professionals, not just the operations professionals, not just great people in the field, medical professionals, but it requires a bunch of legal tasks to be done that are really important. And so you have to have people to understand the science, to put patents in place. You have to understand the people to understand how to do clinical trials around the world, put the appropriate collaborations and contracts in place. You have to have lawyers who really understand and work well with the compliance team, make sure that everything is done in what is, of course, a highly regulated industry. And that those set of skills also apply when it comes to what we do in the corporate affairs team externally, because, again, we have to be compliant with a wide variety of regulations, which, by the way, are quite different around the world. So it takes a wide-ranging team of people, people that work together, that like each other, hopefully, and that work well with everyone from scientists to marketing specialists in order to get the message out, get things done, and get those medicines to patients as quickly as possible. I want to tie in a couple of things you talked about now, just around talent and around culture and around mindset. 
Hygiene and Struggles released a survey report called Balancing Disruption, Stability in Healthcare and Life Sciences, which indicates that many executives are now returning their companies for growth, but only 52% of those executives say their companies currently attract and retain the best talent. You know, I've been in the space a bit, and my sense is that Amgen does do a pretty good job of finding great people, retaining great people. Would love just to sort of get your thoughts on what you all have done and continue to do on that score to sort of address some of the culture challenges we're seeing with the pandemic, but also continue to build that mindset and that approach of urgency that you just described. Sure. But if you'll allow me to be a little bit flipped, just as a matter of statistics and a matter of math, I would be surprised if 50% of companies wouldn't have the best talent if you define the best talent as the top 50% of people in a particular industry. So I would just make that observation about that survey. But uh, joking aside, we're really proud of what we have at Amgen. People, we have some of the lowest industry attrition rates as a company as a whole, and our attrition rates within our legal team are also really low. So why is that? And, you know, it's really important to me going back to the culture piece that we keep that. So I think in terms of attracting people, it's really explaining to people the value proposition. I'm putting that in quotes that people often talk about when attracting people is largely around compensation. To me, compensation is pretty important. But when you think about it, compensation is pretty much the same for the same roles of companies in the industry. So What's really important is explaining to people, well, why would you want to work here instead of at one of our competitors? And that's one of my jobs. And that's one of the jobs that the people on my legal team who are recruiting people is explaining, why would you want to work at a cutting edge company in an extremely exciting industry and a legal team that is working really at the very forefront of a number of problems? I think it's a well-known aphorism that the law follows technology by a certain number of years, often 10 to 15 years. And so we get to explain to people, and I think the record shows and court cases show and the science shows that when you're at Amgen, you're almost certainly going to be working on, for the first time any lawyer has worked on, a number of legal problems. And that's fun. That's exciting. And, you know, I've talked a lot about patience in our discussion here. And one of the things that I think is very attractive to the kind of lawyers that we want is that we are focused on patience as a company. That was something I was very interested in when I decided to come to Amgen is the mission of the company. And so emphasizing that mission, showing people that it's real is part of the recruiting and showing that that value proposition is about culture as much as it is about compensation. And then what about keeping and retaining your talent and having low attrition rates? Well, it's the putting the money where your mouth is. It's showing people you did get what we said you were going to get when we were recruiting. You are working at the cutting edge of law and science. You are working with people that care about the larger mission of the company, and you are highly valued at the company. There are many companies where the legal team is not viewed as a value contributor. Amgen is not one of those companies. The legal team is highly respected throughout the C-suite, and that's because I think we do some pretty important stuff, and we get some good results, and people recognize that in this industry, lawyers play a very important role in success of the company. Well, thank you. And John, I have to say, if ultimately you decide that life sciences isn't the place you want to continue, you know, come over to Hydrogen Struggles. I think you tell a great story and a great, I think, way to describe what's most important to you and what's most important to your people. So that was compelling. Just to close out, I'd love to just get your thoughts. So having worked in the space a while, many folks that are life science lawyers start that way and continue in that throughout their career. And you've had a really successful career in this field, and you actually haven't been a lifelong life science attorney. 
any advice for folks that want to have a successful career, whether it's Amgen or elsewhere, the kinds of things that they should do to advance and be successful in this world? Sure. I will say yes to your question. I think there's sometimes an overemphasis at the C-suite in many companies on finding a lawyer that really understands that particular industry. Because at least as my own career would demonstrate, I think you can be the general counsel of different kinds of companies if you have certain kinds of characteristics. Certainly when I came to Amgen, man, it was a fire hose of information. And one of the things I love about working here now almost eight years in is I'm still learning new stuff every day. But I think the things that have made me successful is I've always just been a really curious person about a wide variety of things. I read extensively. I've always been interested in science and have just been curious about science and about politics and literature and just a really wide variety of things. I guess as I think the phrase now is a lifelong learner, and I am always interested in new things and what's going on. And I think that desire to just want to learn about different things is as important as the skill set. Now, sure, if you're a life sciences lawyer now, hey, you have a leg up on me. But if you actually want to be a general counsel, you have to be curious about a lot of other things outside of your industry. And you have to be good at problem solving. You have to be a highly competent lawyer. Those are sort of the basics. But I would say the other thing, in addition to maybe curiosity, is you know what are referred to as people skills or EQ. That is at least as important as legal competencies if you want to be a leader and a good general counsel. Don't neglect what you are hearing and observing about how other people react to you. Treat everyone from the person who cleaned up in your office all the way to your CEO and members of the board as the great people they are. And don't neglect that side of your development as a person is how you interact and observe and think about other people. Well said. Well, John, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us today. It was a pleasure as always. Dave, it was great to talk to you, and I hope we get to talk again soon. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.